Welcome to Glory Stories with Dr. Elizabeth Vaughn. Dr. Vaughn was one of the top eye surgeons in America and has traveled to many countries in the world preaching the Word of God. She also opened up an eye surgery center in Beijing, China, where she did free eye surgery on those in need. Dr. Vaughn will be sharing many of her personal experiences from God. In addition, you will hear of others that have known God in an intimate way and seen His miracle-working power. As you hear about how God has worked in the lives of others, our hope is that you will be changed forever. Get ready for God to heal you, deliver you, and transform your life as you sit back and enjoy these glory stories. Welcome to Glory Stories. I'm going to talk with you today about something you probably never thought about before. I'm going to talk to you about my surgical instrument. This all started a long time ago when I asked the Lord to show me something that Catherine Kuhlman, that it would mean something to Catherine Kuhlman to give her for a Christmas present. I didn't want to send her something like perfume or flowers. or something. I wanted something that spiritually would mean something to her. And I had no idea what to give her. And he told me to take this certain instrument out of my surgical instrument set and give that to Catherine Kuhlman. Well, it happened to be an instrument that I used on every single surgery case that I ever did. And I, I really couldn't even do surgery without having that instrument. And so I took it out like the Lord told me to. I put it in a little box frame, framed it, you know, in a picture frame. I immediately had to get another replacement instrument like it because I needed it to do every case I ever did. I needed that instrument. But I didn't know what to tell Catherine Kuhlman. What do you tell her? She doesn't need a surgical instrument. She would have no need for it, no clue how to use it. And so I just had to wait on the Lord. And I wanted to give it to her for Christmas. And it was approaching Christmas. Finally, Christmas morning, he wakes me up very early. And he said, I want you to tell her that she is in my hand the way that instrument has been in your hand. So I wrote her a letter and I, I, told, I, you know, I explained that to her. And she wrote me a letter back and she told me how she had it sitting on her desk as a reminder of the things that were said to her in the letter and how precious it was to her. She said she'd keep it on her desk until the day that she died, which I think she did. And the second paragraph of that letter back to me said something that, that really has changed my life. She said, there's no limit to what God can do with one that will not touch the glory. God is still waiting for one who will be more devoted to him than anyone who's ever lived who will be willing to be nothing that Christ can be all, who will grasp his own purposes and with his love and his humility, his faith and his power, without hindering, let God do great things. And then she signed it. May we both continue to be instruments in his hand. And she signed it. Catherine Kuhlman. I treasure that letter. Obviously, I treasure that letter. I treasure what God said to me through that letter, and I hope you'll treasure it in your heart now that it's implanted in your heart too. He's waiting for one that'll be more devoted to him than anyone who's ever lived. Think of the people that have lived. Paul, Peter, James, John, Moses, David. He's waiting for one that'll be more devoted to him than anyone who's ever lived who will be willing to be nothing that Christ can be all. That, that one sentence be willing to be nothing, that Christ can be all. That's been my goal since the time I read that letter, to be nothing, that Christ can be all. I hope you make it your goal too. Well, subsequent to that, 
I started to, to get revelations about my surgical instruments. And God began to show me things about how the instruments are like we are. Actually, he showed me so many things that I, I ended up writing a book called An Instrument in God's Hand. Uh, I'm going to share with you some of the things that the Lord showed me about instruments. First of all, the instrument has to be available. I mean, I have a tray of instruments, but they have to be available to me in order for me to be able to use them. As an eye, I'm an eye surgeon. Uh, I was in China once, and I had taken my instruments with me because I, I needed microsurgical instruments, and I wasn't sure they would have them, so I took my whole tray of microsurgical instruments to China with me. And I had suture material, intraocular lenses, medication of various sorts, and I had them in a suitcase. I gave them to one of the Chinese doctors, and I said, you take really good care of these things. I mean, you know, extremely good care of all of these supplies and instruments. So I started doing a case at this big hospital in Beijing, and I had my instruments. That was fine. It was going well. It was time to put the intraocular lens inside of the eye. And so I tell them what, what intraocular lens I want. Well, that doctor had left the surgery room, and he had gone to a whole different building. He went to a whole different building. I had charged him to take good care of the suitcase, so he took the suitcase to the other building with him. So I didn't have what I needed to do the case. I had to wait until they went after the doctor, got the implant that I needed, brought it back to me. Meanwhile, I'm just sitting there with my hands folded, waiting with the person in the middle of surgery with their eye open. So I put the implant in. Now I'm ready to suture the eye shut. This was many years ago when we used sutures. Anyway, getting ready to suture the eye shut. So I called for a certain kind of a 10 nylon or whatever I called for. Well, they said, we, we don't have it because it's in the suitcase, and the suitcase is still in the other building. I said, my gosh. I said, you get, get that suitcase, bring it here, and leave it in this surgery suite from now on. It has to be available to me. I can't, if I don't have these things available, how can, I, how can I use them on the patients? It does me no good to have them in another building somewhere. So they brought the suitcase. They left it there from that time on. But the point is, if, if the person, if you or any person is not available to God, he can't use you. So the first thing we have to be is available. Now, once I was doing surgery, and it's all done under an operating microscope, and so you, 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 learn, how to, you learn how to do surgery under an operating microscope. So the microscope is close to the eye, and you can zoom it in and out however you want. So it was close to the eye, zoomed in, and the back of one of my instruments touched the microscope. Well, that means that that instrument is contaminated. I can't use a contaminated instrument because if it's not sterile, it will make all the other instruments not sterile, my gloves not sterile, the eye not sterile, and you're opening this to an opportunity for an infection in this eye, which we will not tolerate. So I hand this one instrument off of, my, off of the table to the nurse, and I tell her to sterilize that instrument. So I have to wait until she gets the instrument sterilized before I can proceed with the surgery. Now, as far as this, as far as this is concerned with you and Christ, sterilizing means you, you, are, you are washed clean with the blood of Jesus Christ and you are made ready for his service. You are sterile, so to speak, as an instrument would be sterile. You are clean, 
wiped clean in the blood of Jesus, and you are ready for his, him to use. Now, if, if I sat there waiting for her to sterilize my instrument, and if the instrument didn't get sterilized, what am I going to do? Wait until the factory creates another instrument? I can't do that. I mean, that would take, I don't know, days, maybe weeks. I don't know, but I can't, I can't wait in the middle of a surgery to wait on another instrument to be created. I have to wait for that one to get sterilized. But if Jesus has an instrument that he uses, he needs to use, a person isn't, people are instruments for Jesus, okay? So if he has a person that he wants to use, he needs to use for a particular thing, and then they become unsterile, and we've all seen that. We've seen Christians, even Christians in leadership or Christians that are not in leadership, and they fall into some sort of sin, greed, and they start stealing or infidelity to their mate or whatever. They, 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 they do some sort of sin. They're now not sterile anymore. God can't really use them like he needs to use them until they get sterile. He, he, can, he can use just about anybody. I mean, if he can talk through a donkey, he can use just about anybody. But you really need to be sterile for God to use you in any powerful way that he needs to use you. So sterilization is critical to an eye surgeon. Well, another thing I noticed was that as, you do, as I did surgery, people were watching me do surgery from a different room. Uh, a room where the family could watch the surgery or other patients could watch the surgery and they could, on a closed circuit television set, they could see what I was doing through the microscope. So the whole screen they were looking at was not the surgery suite, was not the table, was not the person, was not me. The only thing that they could see was the instruments. They couldn't even see my hands because it's zoomed up really, really big and you know how an eyeball's not that big. You can't do it with your fingers. You have to have instruments. So the only thing that they could see on the monitor were the instruments. But you know, I didn't have a patient, a single patient ever come to me and say, Dr. Vaughn, would you bring your instruments? I want to congratulate your instruments for doing good surgery. And nobody ever asked me for that. Even though that's all that they saw, they just saw the instruments. But they knew that my hands were holding those instruments. And so it is with us. You know, the first thing Catherine Kuhlman said to me is, there's no limit to what God can do when one will not touch the glory. The glory means that that person is trying to take credit for what God has done. And he can't use you like that. That's like the instrument. They saw the instrument doing the surgery, which is people look at us and they see that we're the ones that God is using to do whatever he's doing, healing people, casting out devils, preaching the word of God, whatever it is we're doing. It's really God that's doing it through us. Otherwise, it's not going to be effective at all. So, but they look at us because we're the instruments that God's using. And if, if you as an instrument in God's hand take the glory, the credit, in other words, you take the credit for what God is doing, you're touching the glory and God can't really use you. You know, Herod, King Herod sat on the throne one day and he gave a great oration. Oh, it was a magnificent oration. And the people start saying, it's, he's a God, not a man. He's a God, clamoring. He's a God. And he sat there in his pompous circumstances, and he took credit for having this great oration. 
He didn't give God any credit at all. He took all the glory, all the credit to himself. And because of that, an angel of God came to him and struck him with worms, and he died with worms. He took glory for what God had done through him. You, it's dangerous. It's a dangerous thing to do that. So we can't take glory. Okay, another time, a man came in to me with, he'd had an industrial accident, and he had a piece of steel on the inside of one of his eyes. Not a good situation. Steel on the inside of one of his eyes. Well, at that time, we had a very big, bulky magnet. These days, we have a lot better things. But back at that time, it was a big, heavy, bulky magnet. You can make a tiny incision on the side of the eye, put that magnet down where the incision was made through the white part of the eye, and the magnet would draw that piece of steel to the magnet, and you could get the piece of steel out of the eye. You can't leave a piece of steel on the inside of someone's eye. It'll rust and make them go blind, so you have to get it out. So I had used this magnet and gotten the steel out. I had closed the little incision that I made and, of course, handed off the, the magnet. It was finished. It was a good case. Uh, you know, it made the man able to see out of his eye again. Well, on a future case, I was using those, some of those same instruments that I had used taking the steel out of the man's eye, and the needle holder, I was using a little needle and you have a little needle holder to hold the needle so you can make a stitch. So I, I tried to put the needle, which is, meta, which is metal, right? Needle is made out of metal. I tried to grasp it with the needle holder and it, it smacked onto the needle holder. And I'd have to pull it off of the needle holder and hold it real tight and try to position it where I wanted it on the needle holder. And this happened over and over. It would just smack itself against the needle holder. You know what had happened? Can you guess what had happened? The needle holder had become magnetized from the magnet I used on the other case. So now the needle holder was a magnet. And the metal in the needle was smacking against the magnet. Like any piece of metal comes to a piece of it comes to a magnet, right? So the magnetized needle holder was a tremendous problem for me during this case. I had to spend so twice as much time on that case because of trying to get the needle positioned the way I wanted it positioned instead of the way it was getting positioned on its own. Well, some people are like magnetized. They have a will of their own. They want to do it their own way. In fact, most people are like that. They have a will of their own. They don't care the will of the, the great physician Jesus. They don't they don't care about that. They want to have things their own way. And, and that's a problem for us as human beings to be yielded enough to God that he can use us any way he wants. You know, one of the things in that Kuhlman letter says, without hindrance, let God do great things. Well, if you're magnetized, if you have a will of your own, you are a hindrance to him. You are a hindrance. It doesn't mean he can't use you or won't use you but it sure means you're making the job difficult for him, being an instrument in God's hand. That's the name of the book. That's, the, that's what we should view ourselves as an instrument in God's hand. And by all means, crucify that self-will that drives every human being. You have to make a, a decision that you want it crucified, and you have to be willing to lay down everything that the Lord shows you that's, uh, that's not pleasing to him, that's a hindrance to him, 
You have to be willing to crucify it and lay it down. The goal being to be able to say the same thing Paul said. He said, I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that lives, but it's Christ that lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So Paul was at a, a, a situation in his life where he had laid down his self-will and he was a crucified instrument in the hand of Jesus Christ. It, it reminds me, again, of the time when Catherine Kuhlman came to the end of a cul-de-sac in Portland, Oregon, and she laid down her will completely so that God could use her life however he wanted to. Her way of saying it was she died to herself or her self-will. She died to her own self-will in that cul-de-sac in Portland, Oregon. And she tells of the time many years later when she was really a famous person then. Miracles happened in her services all the time, all the time. And she was on the, the podium area and a man with multiple sclerosis had just gotten healed. And after all the years of being unable to walk, he, he rose out of his wheelchair and he walked across that platform and the people in the audience went wild. They were cheering and, and clapping and praising God for what he'd done for this man. Catherine Kuhlman says, nobody knew what the Spirit of God was saying to me, what Jesus was saying to me. He said, you laid down your life for my life but now you have found your life in me. She said, I found my life in Christ because I crucified my will so that his will could take place in my life. She was a crucified vessel. She was an instrument that did not have magnetism, did not have her own self-will. She was an instrument in God's hand. That's what we need to want to be and strive to be in our own lives. Well, another thing comes to mind on my tray of instruments. I had a lot of different instruments. You know, one would be to hold, like I said, a needle holder, to hold the needle. Another would be a, a forcep that had teeth on it to grasp the tissue. Another one would be a smooth forcep to, to tie the suture because you don't want teeth on something to tie the suture. It'll cut the suture. A variety of instruments for a variety of things. But one time, just once in all the years that I practiced medicine, I had a situation where a patient had a, a lens implant that had slipped out of position and fallen down into the back part of the eye. And the back part of the eye has a substance inside of it called vitreous that's very gooey, very, that's a good description. It's slippery, it's slippery, it's gooey and slippery. And I knew that I didn't have any kind of instrument that could grasp that slippery lens in the vitreous. It was, the lens was made out of silicone, which is, can be slippery anyway. And now it was in the vitreous, which was really slippery. I knew I didn't have anything that could grasp that and hold that so that I could take that malpossession lens implant out of the eye. But I also knew that down the hall there was a retina surgeon, and he had a specific instrument that had little, little teeny weeny weeny microscopic particles of diamonds on both sides of the, of the forcep. 
And I knew that with those many, many, many tiny diamonds, I knew I could reach in there with his instrument and grasp that slippery lens and bring it out of the, out of the eye successfully. So I asked to borrow his instrument and, and it, we got it sterilized. I so carefully, carefully reached into the inside of this person's eye, pulled out that silicone lens and replaced it by a good, perfect lens and the person could see well again. Another case of an instrument being available that you needed, and that one wasn't, wasn't readily available, but at least I did have it accessible to me and I got what I needed. I want you to see something about that. There are people, like there are instruments on our tray that we use a lot, but there are other instruments that we really don't use very much. They're seldom used, but they're so critical to have them. When you need them, that's the only thing that'll really do the job for you is that particular instrument. You need to have it available. Well, in the kingdom of God, there's all kinds of people, and some of them God uses all the time. And some of them don't get used very much. But either way, you know, we should, we should view it as if we are instruments on his tray. If we're born again, we belong to him. We are available to him, especially if you're baptized in the Holy Ghost. You have the power of God in your life. You make yourself available to him. We should be happy to be on his tray. Lord, I'm glad that I just belong to you. I, I, I belong to you. I'm available to you. I'm sterile, I'm clean by the blood of Jesus, and you can use me any time that you want. That should make, that in and of itself should make us happy. But people, people that are Christians, or people that are people, let's face it, they look at someone else and they say, I wanna be like that. I don't wanna be like I am, I wanna be like that person. Sometimes that can be good if, if you choose the right person, sometimes it can be bad. But God makes all of us different. He gives us all different functions. And if I had a whole tray, and the whole tray was just filled with scissors, one kind of instrument, or any kind of instrument, if I had all the same kind on my tray, I could not do surgery. And that's the same way with God. We're his instruments. He needs a variety of people that he has designed and chosen to do specific functions at specific times. And the scissors doesn't, doesn't want to look at the forceps and say, I wish I could be a forcep, because you get used a lot more than I do. It doesn't you need both. You need all kinds. So we, as people, as Christians in particular, shouldn't look at, see, you look at the pastor, you look at the evangelist, and you see that he gets to stand up in front of everybody, and they look at him and they say, oh, he's wonderful, or she's wonderful. They're so wonderful. They're so full of God, and, and you know, they, they're, they're admired and whatever. And so I want to be like that. I can remember this man. He was a custodian of a church that I used to go to many years ago. And he was always unhappy because he wanted to be up on the pulpit preaching. The man couldn't preach. The man wasn't called to be a preacher, but he saw the accolades of people giving the pastor and he wanted to, that's who he wanted to be. He wasn't satisfied being working in the house of God. Think of that, he, he gets to clean God's house. He gets to polish God's furniture. He gets to be the caretaker of the house of God. That's a calling too. That's something that he could have really excelled in if he had been willing to be satisfied there. The Word of God says, godliness with contentment is great gain. 
he may have had godliness, I don't know, but I know he didn't have contentment. He was always discontent all the time. He could have been a greeter, greeting people coming in, cleaning the, polishing the furniture and saying, how are you today? And being a real joy in the house of the Lord, singing, whistling, and, you know, being happy and bringing even, even joy to everybody that came. He could have been a real asset in the kingdom of God, but instead he was an unhappy instrument that didn't like what he was chosen to be, what he was designed by God to be. He wanted to be something else. Uh, I can remember being in China. I, I mentioned this case to you on one other program because it was a very, very difficult case to me where a lady already had complicated surgery that I needed to do. And in addition to that, the only intraocular lens implant I had was this strange looking thing. I'd never seen it before, but it was donated to me to take to China. It had these long curvy lens on it. You know, they'd curve all around like whiskers on a catfish. And I was challenged to be able to get those long whiskery tails where they belonged inside of this lady's eye. And I didn't have an instrument to do this. I had an instrument, but it was back at home in Dallas, I didn't have it with me. So I struggled and I struggled and I struggled. I finally got, the, got it accomplished using what instruments I had available, but it was very difficult for me. Whereas if I had had the proper instrument, I could have done it quickly. I could have done it easily and saved myself trouble and surgery time for them and all these doctors were watching because I didn't have the instrument I needed. And, and it, it showed me something about God's predicament. He sometimes needs an instrument so badly, and that instrument's not available to him. We need to recognize that we are all different kinds of instruments. We are all different parts of the body of Christ. I want to read you something out of 1 Corinthians, because this is the way that God views us, because this is the way we are in his sight. He says, 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, beginning with the 21st verse. And the eye is not able to say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. But instead, there is absolute necessity for the parts of the body that are considered the more weak. That's God's point of view. God has so adjusted the parts of the whole body, giving the greater honor and richer endowments to the inferior part, which lack apparent importance. In other words, some kinds of things, some kind of people are not given great importance, but they're nonetheless, they're extremely essential to God. I can remember one man, he was an evangelist and he was with the pastor. The pastor took him to the house of a man that had just died. And the pastor said, this man wasn't a valuable man in the church, but you know, we're coming to his house anyway. But the evangelist, God showed the evangelist where that man had been kneeling and praying day in and day night for that church. He was the intercessor for that church. And the Lord told him, because that man is now dead, that church is now going to fold because it no longer has an intercessor. Nobody knew he was the sole intercessor for the church. He was like one of the inside parts of your body. Nobody says what a beautiful liver you have, what a beautiful kidneys you have. The unseemly parts are really can be the most valuable parts. That man was the hidden intercessor that was the most valuable part of that whole church. A year later, the evangelist came through the area. He inquired about that church. Someone told him, he said, that church's not there anymore. 
the reason the church wasn't there anymore is because the intercessor wasn't there anymore. It's like you can't live if you don't have a kidneys, if you don't have your two kidneys. So be an instrument in God's hand today. Be willing to be what he made you to be. We hope that you enjoyed these stories of the glory of God. We believe that each story we tell will help build your faith and help to bring a miracle into your life. For more information about this program and Dr. Elizabeth Vaughn, visit her website at godsinstrument.com, her YouTube channel at Glory Stories Now, or write her at Elizabeth Vaughn Ministries Incorporated, P.O. Box 454, Argyle, Texas, 76226, USA.